Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Mishu Bible. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. We are looking at Joseph's life. When we last looked at, we just took a little, um, I don't want to say a sidebar, but we just delved into uh, the plans that God had set in motion a long time ago. And I was just wanted to spend some time showing you guys and telling you guys that sometimes you and I want God to do things immediately, but he does things for our best interests. And that best interest is that you and I will have the victory in our situation so that we can testify of his greatness and uh, make him known to people so that they can become sons of God, as the Bible says. So we are looking at this young man. And we saw briefly uh, when we last left, he was coming before the king. And uh, in the book of Josephus, we, we looked at, we saw that the king grabbed his hand. And that's one of the reasons why I love doing different types of um, vantage point, as I call them, so that you and I can get a better understanding of the situation from a different point of view. And there's nothing wrong with it. It is still, it is not destroying um, the principles of the Bible. We're just pulling stories and um, additional information. But the core context of the Bible is intact and is the guidance by which we're talking about these stories. So uh, we have been looked, we looked at that, that aspect that Ghana devised a plan, as it says in the uh, legend of the Jews. Uh, we looked a little about the, um, within uh, Josephus stuff, and it was in the, um, the information that was the data that was given through Josephus that we saw when this young man came into the throne room that the king grabbed his hands and pulled him up. And um, it sounded like the king was very excited to see him, and I could imagine that he was excited. But um, for a king to act that way um, is kind of, you know, I'm not sure that he would do that. But again, it's just the vantage point of one man telling the story. We could see in the um, the Gospels all these men telling the same story from different vantage point. So we see now in the um in the uh, the book of the, the legend of the Jews that um this young man is being brought up to the king. And um the king, as they said, Pharaoh revoked the edict of death that he might issue against that was issued against the wise men of of Egypt and he sent and called Joseph he impressed care upon his messengers. They were not to excite and confuse Joseph and render him unfit to present to the king's dream correctly. They brought him hastily out of the dungeon. But before Joseph, um, but first Joseph, out of respect for the king, shaved himself and put on fresh raiment, which an angel brought for him from paradise. And then he came in onto Pharaoh. So this is, again, from the legend of the Jews. And you can tell, you know, by the name itself. But I love those type stuff. You know, it's really interesting. They give a nice flavor, if you will, to the story. So 
it tells us um, that Pharaoh revoked the uh, the edict, and so he is coming before the king. He shaves, and he has been brought in a garment from paradise. Um, and the king was sitting upon his royal throne, arrayed in princely garment, clad with a golden ephrod upon his breast, and the fine gold of the ephrod sparkled. And so they began to describe all of the fanciness, how he looks, and that would be how a king looked. He would be in his best array, if you will. And so he is sitting on the throne, and they're bringing Joseph to him. And um, now we are going to switch from there, from the legend of the Jews. I wanted to bring you that piece of it, showing that um, he, uh, you know, how he was dressed, how the king was dressed, and where did uh, Joseph got his garment from. So now let's take a look at the book of Yasher, chapter 48. And we're going to look into this from a different angle and see how it says from the Christian belief. Um, at, at that time and not in after because after the King James it was a different belief system that was instituted but this was the belief of the the, um, the disciples and all those guys grew up with this, this teaching and so let's take a look at it and see what it says in those days after the death of Isaac the Lord commanded and caused a famine upon the whole earth at that time, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, was sitting upon his throne in the land of Egypt and lay in his bed and dreamed dreams. And Pharaoh saw in his dreams that he was standing by the side of the river of Egypt. So he goes into much detail in the book of Yasher about the type of dream that he has. And uh, we saw it was um, earlier that we read in the last the last podcast that we went through that God had devised this plan. God had came up with this particular um, plan, if you will, to have this king begin to dream these dreams so that he can bring this young man out of prison as he had asked the, um, the wine bearer to do, but he forgot, and God just jogged his memory, if you will. And we studied that part of it. And so we're looking at here and see what his dream was like. And you um, see that uh, um, he had this dream, and uh, whilst he was standing, he saw, behold, seven flat flesh and well-flavored favorite um, keen came up out of the river, and seven keen, lean, fleshed, and ill-favored came up after them, and the seven ill-favored one swallowed up the well-favored ones, and still their appearance was ill at a first. And he woke, and he slept again, and dreamt a second time. And he saw, and behold, seven ears of corn came up onto the stalk, and rank, and good, and seven thin corn blasted with the air of the sprang up after them, and the thin air swallowed up the full ones. And Pharaoh awoke out of his dream. And in the morning the king re remembered his dream, and his spirit was gladly or sadly troubled on account of the dream. And the king hastened and sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and the wise men, and they came and stood before Pharaoh. Now these guys, the magicians, we will see that they carried with them tremendous amount of uh, sorcery power. Uh, if you remember, as we get closer to Moses, we'll know that uh, these men, they also threw their staff on the ground, and it became a snake, and Moses also threw his. 
And um, if you study history of the Egyptians, and you know that it came out of the clan of Canaan and all these guys, that um, there was a book uh, that was handwritten by uh, the um, fallen angels, and they gave that information to spells and counterspells and so forth. And these men took it and brought it with them, and the Egyptians had it. Um, and um, there's another book also that was written with all the um, sicknesses and disease and the cure to all of those that was given to Seth, I believe. He had that book. But anyway, um, just wanted to get you guys some update onto that. So these men that the Pharaoh was calling were um, powerful in their own way in the dark magic, the, the dark um, uh, arts, if you will. And so they came and they, he calls them up and he says, and the king said unto them, I have dreamed dreams and there is none to interpret them. And they said unto the king, relate thy dream to thy servant and let us hear them. And so the king relates his dream to them and um, he's waiting to see if they may interpret it. And so as he relays all of these things to them, uh, we see, and when they spoke these words, the king did not. So let's go back into 10. We know he rehearsed and he tells them the dream, verse 10, and, and that which thou seest in the second dream, uh, this is them now trying to um, explain what the dream is. But as he, uh, as they're trying to explain it to him, he, his spirit is still not settled that this is the right interpretation. And the king related his dream to them, and they did answer and said unto with one voice to the king, May the king live forever, and this is the interpretation of thy dream. The seven good king, which thou didst see, denotes seven daughters that will be born unto thee in the latter days, and the seven king, which thou sawest, came up after them, and swallowed them up are for a sign that the daughters which will be born unto thee will all die in a lifetime of the king. And um, that which thou didst see in the second dream of the seven years of corn, good ears of corn coming up uh, from the stalk, this is their interpretation that thou will build unto thyself the latter day seven cities throughout the land of Egypt, and that which thou sawest of the seven blasted ear of corn springing up after them are swallowing up will thou didst behold them with thine eyes is for a sign that the cities which thou will build will be destroyed in the latter days in the life of the king. And when they spoke these words, the king did not incline his ears to hear their words, neither did he fix his heart upon them. For the king knew in his wisdom that they did not give a proper interpretation of the dream. And when they had finished speaking before the king, the king answered them, saying, What is this thing that you have spoken unto me? Surely you have uttered falsehood and spoken lies. Therefore now give the proper interpretation of my dream that you may not die. So we see that the king is not a dumb person. Uh, he is a pretty smart man, and um, from their first interpretation of the dream, he tells them, hey guys, this is garbage. Um, what's going on, man? Um, you know, talk to me, is basically what he's saying. And uh, the king was somewhat upset with them. He says, you know, um, make sure that you tell me the good stuff, uh, what it is, or you shall die. And so... And the man that will declare unto the king the proper interpretation of his dream 
there shall be given unto him all that he will require from the king. And all of the wise men of the land of Egypt came before the king, together with all the magicians and the sorcerers that were in Egypt, and in Goshen, in Ramiz, um, in Zohar, and in the places of the border of Egypt. And they all stood before the king, all the nobles and the princes, and the attendants belonging to the king came together from all the cities of Egypt, and they all sat before the king, and the king related his dream before the wise men, and the princes and all that sat before the king were astonished at the vision. So this particular vision that was given to him was given to him by God. So the interpretation is not going to come from any other place. It's going to come from God himself. So um, it doesn't matter what all these men are doing, trying to interpret that dream, they're just not going to be able to do it because it's not the source then, if you will, is God himself. And the source is creating these dreams so that this young man will be brought out of prison. So there's not one of these men that will ever be able to do what God wants him to do because, again, the source is God. And um, the purpose of this is what he's trying to do. He is trying to jog the memory of that wine bearer. Uh, and that wine bearer has the information that God wants to get out of him so that he can bring it before the king. And God is doing all of these things. Um, and the king is bringing all of these people from all over the, the land at that time. And they are trying their best to do this. But again, God's purpose is for this wine bearer, and that's his only focus. So let's see what happens um, until this wine bearer is alerted to what's going on. And uh, But it's really fascinating how God uh, within that king is not allowing him, God is not allowing him to be um, swayed, if you will, by all of this um, enchanted and this magic stuff. Again, because God is the, um, the dream originates from him and there's a purpose that God has to be fulfilled within that, um, that, that dream. And 27, and the king commanded that all the wise men and magicians should go out before him. And they all went out before the king with shame and disgrace. So all of them kept coming, and he decides to get rid of all of them. And the king commanded that, that a proclamation be sent throughout Egypt to slay all the magicians that were in Egypt, and that one of them should be suffered to live. And the captain of the guard belonging to the king rose up, and each man drew his sword, and they began to smite the magicians of Egypt and the wise men. And after this, Marad, chief butler of the king, came and bowed before the king and sat before him. And the butler said unto the king, May the king live forever, and his government be exalted in the land. Thou wast angry with thy servant in those days. Now two years have passed, and didst place me in ward. And I was for some time in the ward, I and the chief of the baker. And there was with us a Hebrew servant belonging to a captain of the guard. His name was Joseph. For his master had been angry with him, and placed him in a house of confinement, and he attended us there. So now, finally, after all of that, this guy's memory is jogged, and he begins to relate to the um, to Pharaoh what happened to him while he was in prison. And I talked to you guys about we are comforted with the comfort so that we can talk to people and um, explain how we got our deliverance 
from where we were. And so he now is going to explain to Pharaoh about this specific, um, you know, uh, incident. And one of the things about the book of Yasher and um, that we see when we read here, it gave us his name. And uh, I know Paul, when Paul um, talked about magicians, the two magicians that um, came before uh, Pharaoh, he gave their names in his writings. And he could only have gotten that information if he had studied the book of Yasher. And so um, that is why I want to tell you guys, it is a book you should read because all of those guys, it was their culture and they read these books and they were very familiar about Nephilims and all of the other creatures that uh, were um, created by the Nephilims as a result in Enoch's and all of that stuff. So you guys should really read a good interpretation of it and it's a good one. And so I, I have a couple that I pull from and this is what I'm reading from. And uh, so that you and I can get a better picture, a better understanding of some stuff that was going on there. If it please the king, let him send for him, that he may come before you, and he may make known to you the correct interpretation of the dream, which thou didst dream. This guy is absolutely positive that Joseph is the real thing. Why? Because he told him his dream uh, that he had in three days you will be restored and in three days the other guy was going to lose his life he knew this was the good stuff and so when he said to the king he says bring this man because i know he is going to interpret your dream why because he interpreted mine when i was back in there when you tossed me in there in the place of confinement and so um uh, it came to pass, so let's let's go back in and uh, take a look at it, uh, because as he begins to tell the story to the king, to Pharaoh, and uh, make Pharaoh aware that it is time. And so, and he came in the morning and told them uh, that the servant, and he interpreted to us the dream, to each man according to his dream, he did correctly interpret. And so he is rehearsing between him and the uh, baker, and we know the baker was killed because he was plotting against the king, uh, the, uh, against the pharaoh. And it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so was the event that fell not to the ground of any of his words. And now, therefore, my lord and king, do not slay the people of Egypt for nothing. Behold, that slave is still confined in the house of the captain of the guard, his master in the house of confinement. So he saved the life of many of these magicians, if you will, because we know that he still existed after when Moses was there. If it please the king, let him send for him that he may come before thee, and he will make known to thee the correct interpretation of the dream which thou dreamest. And the king heard the words of the chief butler, and the king ordered that the wise men of Egypt should be, not be slain. And the king ordered his servant to bring Joseph before him. And the king said unto them, Go to him, and do not ter uh, terrify him, lest he be confused and will not know to speak properly. And the servants of the king went to Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and the king's servants shaved him, and he changed his prison garments, and he came before the king. So we see in the legend of the Jews, he shaved himself because he recognized he was going before the king, and it tells us there that he was the one that 
shaved himself. But in this particular um, vantage point, if you will, documentation, it says that the man did it and they clothed him. In the legend of the Jews, we see that he got his garment from heaven, from the other realm. Here we are looking and seeing where he got it. And so um, the garment, and he came before the king. And the king was sitting upon his royal throne in princely and princely dress, girded around with gold, golden ephrod and fine gold, which was upon it sparkling. And so it goes into the explanation of how he looked. And it's, as I mentioned before, that is a king. And that's how a king should look. He got on his best. And um, so, and it was their custom throughout the land of Egypt that every man who came to speak to the king, if he was a prince or one that was um, estimable in the sight of the king, he ascended to the king's throne as far as the 31st step. And the king would descend to the 36th uh, step and spoke to him. If he was one of his common people, he would ascend to the third step and the king would descend to the fourth and speak to him. And their custom was moreover that any man who understood to speak in all the 70 languages, 70 languages, we know where that came from, when Nimrod was there and all was separated and um, uh, all the language came into being. So there were 70 languages. He ascended to the seventh 70 steps and went up and spake till he reached the king. And any man who could not complete the 70, he ascended as many steps as the language which he knew to speak in. And it was customary in those days in Egypt that no one should reign over them, but who understood to speak in the 70 languages. And when Joseph came before the king, he bowed down to the ground before the king, and he ascended to the third step. And the king sat upon the fourth step and spoke with Joseph. And the king said unto Joseph, I dreamt a dream. And there is the interpreter, and there is no interpreter to interpret it properly. And I relate my dreams to them, and no one had properly interpreted them to me. And after this, I and I this day heard concerning you that you are a wise man and canst correctly interpret every dream that thou hast heard. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, Let Pharaoh relate this dream that he dreamed. Surely the interpretation belongs to God. And Pharaoh related his dreams to Joseph, the dream of the king, the king, and the dream of the ear of corn. And the king left off speaking. So this young man knows that, and that's the same situation that came to him with the other two men. He said, God is the source and he um, is the interpreter. And the um, uh, Joseph is just going to release what that interpretation is. So God, he is saying, is the interpreter of dreams and that he will release it to this young man. And then this young man will relay it to the king. And so let's see what um, you know, we know what the Bible tells us this is, but I wanted to get it from this vantage point so you and I can get a better understanding. And as you saw, all the different uh, vantage point with it, just his garment alone, uh, we have it from different place. Even this meeting is very different from the vantage point of Josephus. In Josephus' reading, the king came down, grabbed his hand. In the um, Legend of the Jews, it talks about all of the garment, the king, and all this stuff, and, and where he met him in this particular tells us that as the custom, he met him 
on the third stage, uh, which is this, uh, steps, which is basically for the common people, as they say. And so he begins to interpret this dream and he begins to tell him um, what God is showing him. And um, after Pharaoh's finished speaking, he says, And Joseph was then clothed with the Spirit of God before the king. And I want to talk to you guys about this in a little while. Um, the covenant, there's two covenants that the Bible talks about as far as uh, with the body of Christ. We have the old covenant and the new covenant. We have other covenants in there, you know, the um, about the uh, uh, rainbow and, and a few things and so forth. But when it comes to uh, the main covenants, we have the old covenant and the new covenant. The new covenant, the Bible tells us, is the covenant of grace. And the Holy Spirit indwells us, comes into us. There are a few men and women in the Old Covenant where that happened. But most of the time, what it did, the Holy Spirit came upon them. If you read Samson and Delilah, you'll see that Samson had to wait until the Holy Spirit came upon him before he could do all these miraculous feats. But the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit dwells in us and we can do all of these things through Christ with strengthness. We can lay hands on the sick. We can walk on water. We can. Tra- um, we had one of the, one of the uh, disciples, after he finished preaching to the Ethiopian man, he disappeared. He went to another location. We can do all of that within this um, because the Holy Spirit is within us. Back then, they could have done that, but they had to wait, as we see. He, the Holy Spirit was upon him, and because the Holy, uh, the Holy Spirit was upon him, he began to speak. And he knew all things that would befall the king from that day forward, and he knew the proper interpretation of the king's dreams, and he spoke before the king. And Joseph found favor in the sight of the king, and the king inclined his ears and his heart, and he heard all the words of Joseph. And Joseph said unto the king, Do not imagine that they are two dreams, for it is only one dream. For that which God has spoken to you, um, chosen to do throughout the land, he has said, shown to the king in his dreams, and this is the proper interpretation of the dream. So we're seeing a couple of things that as this young man is sitting there, the Holy Spirit is upon him. He's having this conversation with the king of one-on-one, uh, step four, step three, and they're talking. And the Holy Spirit is giving him all the information that he needs. And something begins to happen to the king. The Bible, uh, the book of Enoch tells us that Joseph found favor in the sight of the king. And we've talked about this favor before, which is grace in other areas. And I've told you the revelation that God had given to me, what it really means. Most people, when they used to teach us, they would say, uh, favor is God's unmerited favor. Grace is God's unmerited favor. We didn't deserve it. That's all well and good. But there's a deeper aspect to it. This favor will, it, it means the divine influence upon the heart of that individual. We're watching the king, this favor being divinely influencing his heart, causing him to really take a liking to this young man. And um, as a result of that, favor on him. Remember, he has the blessing still is on him. And uh, he also is now having this favor. 
And I told you that the blessing basically is a combination of things that I have seen within it. It is the grace and God's protection. And the grace is that force by which you and I are able to obtain the wealth of the wicked with. It is by which we are able to be saved with, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift of God. You see that this favor was upon the children of Israel when they were coming out of um, Egypt. And God said, the word says that God gave them great favor and they were able to spoil the Egyptians. They were able to take all their wealth with them when they were leaving. You see that grace, when it says, in, uh, with Zerubbabel, grace, grace, you know, is not by might, not by power. So we see that favor that um, I think this is one of the ingredients that is missing within the church today in the individual life, is that it's through favor. The Bible calls God the God of all grace. Uh, Paul said, God said to, to Paul, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. And we see this terminology about grace and favor. And I did a study previous um, when we were looking at um, uh, Isaac when he was running from his brother and so forth with, with Esau. And we saw that Esau's son and a couple of men came to kill him. And we saw what grace did and we talked about that. So I suggest you go back and listen to that as well. So we're seeing some things happening as a result of this encounter with one man on the third step and the other on the fourth step. And the Holy Spirit is in the midst of this conversation as well. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the one that is guiding the conversation with Joseph and causing the favor of the king to be bestowed on the young man. And so as he begins to explain this dream in verse 75, uh, verse 54 to 7, um, good king of heirs of corn are seven years, and the bad king of the bad king of corn are also seven years. It is one dream. Behold, the seven years that are coming; they will be great plenty throughout the land. And after that, the seven year of famine will follow them, and very grievous famine. And all the plenty will be forgotten from the land, and the famine will consume the inhabitants of the land. The king dreamed one dream, and the dream was therefore repeated unto Pharaoh, because the thing is established by God. For the Bible tells us that out of the mouth of two or three, something is established. So when God did it twice, he was saying, it is going to come. And um, if we take a look at um, uh, the beginning, it tells us that God caused the famine to happen. And again, he did this for a several reasons. And we'll see them as we go through the word and study the Bible as well. So he see that is one dream and he tells them the dream and he tells the, the young man tells Pharaoh that God has established it. That's why you had the dream three uh, twice. And um, so uh, let's see how Pharaoh respond as a result to, you know, from this dream. And I keep telling you guys, God has plans for you. But you and I, uh, we kind of mess it up because we step out of sync, if you will. And so behold, the seven years that are coming, and, and he tells him, he said, um, uh, that are coming will be great and plenteous throughout the land. And after that, seven years of famine will follow them, a very grievous famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten, or the land and the famine will consume the inhabitants of the land. The king dream one dream. 
And he tells them, he says, God establish it, and God will shortly begin to bring it to pass. Now, therefore, I will give you counsel and deliver thy soul and thy soul of thy inhabitants of the land from the evil of the famine that thou seekest thereof. Thy kingdom for a man very discreet and wise, who knoweth all the affairs of government, and appoint him to superintend, be a superintendent over the land of Egypt. So he's giving the king some advice. Um, he's saying, you know, hey, you need to find somebody who is a wise man, who's, uh, who has knowledge of all of these things, and put him in charge so that he can make sure that all goes well for you and the inhabitants of your people. And let that let the man whom thou placest over Egypt appoint officers under him, that they may gather in all the food of good years and uh, are coming, and let them lay up corn and deposit it in your, in your appointed stores, and let them keep that food for the seven years of famine, that it may be found of thee and thy people and thy whole land, that thou and thy land be not cut off by the famine. That all the inhabitants of the land be also ordered that they gather in every man to produce uh, the product, uh, the produce of his field of all sorts of food during the seven years, and that all uh, that they place it in their stores, that it may be found of them in the day of famine, and that so that they can live. This is the proper interpretation of thy dream, and this is the counsel be given to save your soul and the souls of all your subjects. And the king answered and said unto Joseph, Who sayest thou, and who knowest thou, thy words are correct? And he said unto the king, This shall be a sign for thee, respecting all my words, that they are true, and that they that my advice is good for you. Behold, your wife sitteth this day upon the stool of delivery, and she will bear you a son, and thou wilt rejoice with him, when the child shall have gone forth from his mother's womb, thy firstborn son, that he be born the two years back shall die, and you will be comforted in the child that will be born unto thee this day. Remember that two years ago, and um, he was in prison, and the son was born, and they had that party, and the based on that party, that's when the um, wine bearer was restored, and the baker died. So this is the son that he's talking about. He said, that son is going to die. And you're going to have a new, a new son. And so, um, uh, let's see. And Joseph finished speaking these words to the king and he bowed down to the king and he went out. And when Je Joseph had gone out of the king's presence, the, those signs which Joseph had spoken unto the king came to pass on that day. And the queen bare a son on that day. And the king heard of the glad tidings about his son and he rejoiced. And when the reporter had gone forth from the king's presence, the king's servant found the firstborn son of the king fallen dead upon the ground. And there was great lamentation and noise in the king's house, and the king heard it, and he said, What is this noise and lamentation that I have heard in the house? And they told the king that his firstborn son had died. Then the king knew that all Joseph's word that he had spoken were correct. And the king was consoled by his son, by the child that was born to him on that day, as Joseph had spoken. 
So that's the end of the podcast. And I just want to thank you guys. We're going to continue this journey. This I entitled The Famine. And we see how it came about the interpretation of the dream and all that came as a result having a conversation, one on the third um, step and the other on the fourth. And uh, we are looking at the words of this young man, Joseph, all coming to pass for the Pharaoh. As the Pharaoh now is weeping and in pain from his son, he gets, he's going to remember about Joseph and then he will then implement something. So I want to thank you guys for coming and following me here at Mystery Bible. This has been a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun just talking to you guys, bringing the different um, vantage points, but also um, bringing some information to make the Bible a little more interesting, if you will. But the coreness of the Bible, the principles, the faith, all of these things are still intact. And um, we're not talking and changing um, dogma. We're just in, uh, looking at the story from a different uh, vantage point. So I want to thank you all for following me. I do appreciate it. I thank you so much. Uh, uh, thank you again for those. I like to always thank those that are supporting me financially. I truly, truly appreciate it. I know how many of you are sacrificing your 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 time and your your finances, and I want to make sure that I I am letting you know and that my heart is. Um, uh, so honored, and uh, I thank you so much. Um, uh, continue to follow us and tell people about it so that we can grow and learn together and so that you and I can become effective and change this world. Thank you for listening to Mystery Bible. Let's walk through the Bible and learn of God and His beautiful mercies and all that He has provided for us that we may become effective for his kingdom and change this world. Check in every week for a new episode.